This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hurrah! <laughs> What's going on, guys? I'm Faraz Siddiqui from Upper Hand Fantasy. We're going to go over the top 10 fantasy wide receivers for 2022. Number one is already going to surprise you. It's not Cooper Cup. It's Justin Jefferson. Wait, what? Where's Cooper Cup? What you mean? Well, there are a few reasons, but we'll get there. I promise. But let's talk about Justin Jefferson first and why I think he's at number one. Let's go back to his rookie year real quick. He was a wide receiver six, even though he didn't play a significant role until week three. And then last year, he was the wide receiver four. The guys ahead of him, Cooper Cup, will get there, I promise. Devonta Adams, going over to Las Vegas. No Aaron Rodgers for him. And Debo Samuel, another quarterback change there. And in terms of personnel, not much has changed for Justin Jefferson. But one thing that did change was Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams. He was their offensive coordinator over the past two seasons. He did mention that Justin Jefferson is going to move around a lot more rather than just playing primarily on the perimeter. Cooper Cup played about 65% of snaps from the slot last year, and we can see Justin Jefferson do a lot of that this year. 1,600 yards in year two for Justin Jefferson. That's just bananas. And his 3,016 receiving yards over his first two seasons is the most by any NFL wide receiver ever. So you can see why I'm bullish on his ceiling going into year three. So you got Adam Thielen still there. He's going into his age 32 season. I don't think he's going to be commanding the type of target share that he was early on last year before he got hurt. And you know, with Thielen getting older, if he were to go down, this is going to be a target funnel situation for Justin Jefferson because there isn't much behind Adam Thielen, at least nobody who's going to command targets. And when we're talking target funnel, we're talking about guys like Cooper Cup last year getting a ridiculous target share, Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers getting a ridiculous target share. And I'm not saying Thielen has to get hurt for Justin Jefferson to hit that ceiling, but we have to kind of understand what the range of outcomes here with an aging wide receiver as his wide receiver too. Before Thielen got banged up, Justin Jefferson was averaging about 9.8 targets per game, which is obviously amazing. But with Thielen was banged up late in the season he was averaging about 12 targets per game and then when you consider the overall philosophy change of this offense going from old school Mike Zimmer with the glasses down to the tippy tip of his nose to the new school LA Rams type of offense where they're going to be pass first and high tempo which is not what the Vikings wanted to do under Mike Zimmer but going back to what Jefferson was able to accomplish last season he was second only to Stefan Diggs in end zone targets last year and he pretty much got it done for you every single week he was only behind Cooper Cup with the highest percentage of weeks where he was the top 25 wide receiver. And when you consider weighted opportunity, which is a combination of target share and air yards, Jefferson was number one this past season, ahead of Cooper Cup, ahead of Devontae Adams, and he was actually number one the year prior as well. I'm betting on Jefferson to be the number one wide receiver this year. Number two, Jamar Chase. What? No Cooper Cup? We'll get there, I promise. So we just talked about Justin Jefferson. He came into the league, he broke receiving records. Jamar Chase's former teammate at LSU said, okay, 
I'll see your 1,400 receiving yards came in, broke that record, and then ended up almost doubling what Justin Jefferson did in terms of touchdowns his rookie year. Jamar Chase also broke the record for the most receiving yards in an NFL game by a rookie. So the dude obviously has an insane career ahead of him. And he did all that damage last year as a rookie with T. Higgins on his team, who himself is a baller, who may or may not be part of this video. I don't know. We'll see. He also did all that damage with the Bengals having the fourth slowest pace of play among all teams in the NFL. And in terms of neutral situation pass rate, they were extremely low as well. However, over the course of the season, we did see that neutral situation pass rate go up. It was about 55% in the first month of the season, the first four weeks, and then at the end of the season, it went up to about 60%. And then during the playoffs, it jumped all the way up to 70%. And then you look at what Zach Taylor did when he came to the Bengals. He was top 10 in pace of play in 2019. He got Joe Burrow in 2020, and then last year, they were slow as hell. And my guess is that they just wanted to kind of ease Joe Burrow back into the game since he tore his ACL the year before. But now going into next year, I expect them to pick up where they left off in the playoffs, be a top 10 pace of play team. If that happens and all of these guys were able to perform the way they did last year in an extremely slow offense, imagine what they can do if they're top 10 in pace of play after just being the fourth slowest team. I'm expecting this Bengals offense to go absolutely nuclear and Jamar Chase is going to be their clear wide receiver one and I'm here for it. All right, finally at number three, Cooper Cup. Why Faraz, why are you not putting him at number one? Listen, I know that's the easy thing to do, but we're trying to project forward, aren't we? He just had a historic season. Do we really want to say that he's definitely going to have that type of season once again? It's the same reason that many are putting Jonathan Taylor at number one at running back because he was the number one running back last year. This is the first time Cooper Cup has ever had a season like this. He's already 29 years old. Where was this Cooper Cup before? Cup was in an amazing position last year. He's a great, great player, but the scheme really elevates him to a point where teams don't even know how to defend the dude. Sean Mavay schemes up wide receivers open like no other coach in the league, and no team could figure out how to stop Cooper Cup all year long. And that's insane. The dude had seven top five fantasy finishes last year. That's nuts. And out of 17 games played, he had 16 games in in the top 25. He didn't bust. What do you mean by that? Now, who else was there with Cooper Cup at the beginning of the season? It was Robert Woods, right? Would you say Robert Woods is someone who commands targets? He's a very good wide receiver, benefiting from Sean McVay's scheme. But the Rams just got somebody who will command targets, and that's Allen Robinson. Say what you want about Allen Robinson, by the way, former wide receiver one in 2019 and 2020. I believe he mailed it in last year in Chicago for the fear that they will put a franchise tag on him, another franchise tag on him. He didn't want that. He wanted to control his destiny. Now, nobody on the Rams last year, besides Cooper Cup, saw more than 90 targets. And with Allen Robinson there, honestly, I can see him getting seven, eight, nine targets a game. I can totally see him getting 130 to 140 targets next year. I mean, Cup had 191 targets last year. Do we really think that's going to happen again? That doesn't happen. He's going to regress. I think a 20 to 30% regression in this scenario makes a lot of sense. Now, if he only has a 20% regression, he's still in the conversation for the overall wide receiver one, which tells you how historic his year was. And if he gets hit with a 30% regression, he's actually still in the top five conversation, but I think the other guys that I mentioned might have a little bit more upside. So listen, I'm not projecting a crazy drop off for Cooper Cup. I'm still ranking him behind like two young bona fide stud wide receivers, right? But I do expect the landscape to shift just a little bit next year, and it's not crazy to think that Cooper Cup won't be able to repeat the historic season that he just had. Number four, Stefan Diggs. I'm actually kind of surprised how in tune the fantasy community is on Stefan Diggs. 
I would say he had a down year compared to his 2020 season in terms of perception. But he's still the wide receiver four going off the board on underdog. And by the way, if you're not doing best ball drafts on underdog right now in the offseason, what are you doing? If you don't know what underdog is, let me explain. It's literally the easiest way to play fantasy football. There's no in-season management, there's no waiver wire pickups every week, no setting lineups, and there's no points left on your bench. Your lineup is automatically optimized every single week based on which players did best. It's that simple. And you can win money doing it. It's really the best practice that you can get for your season-long leagues, and there are a variety of types of contests that you can play in. Right now, Underdog has a contest called Best Ball Mania, where they have $10 million in prizes, with $2 million going to the tournament winner, $1 million going to whoever has the most fantasy points at the end of the regular season, and then another $7 million to disperse to a bunch of other people, and that could be you. If you use code UPPERHAND when you sign up, Underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So let's say you deposit 100 bucks, you'll get an extra 100 bucks to enter more contests for a chance to win even more money. Not only that, but when you use code UPPERHAND, I'll be sending you a free rookie draft kit when you sign up. So click that link in the description to sign up today. So I'm part of the collective fantasy community here. They're not swayed by his down year. And by the way, his down year, 103 catches, 1,225 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Just not the 1,500-yard season that he just had in 2020. But I do think that comes up this year. He is the clear number one wide receiver for an offense that you want the number one wide receiver from. Here are where the Bills rank in categories that matter. Third highest pace of play. They threw at the highest rate on first down. A team that gets it. They had the fifth most overall pass attempts last year. This offense was top five in scoring and total yards. Need I go on? There are more stats to back this up. And by the way, a lot of these stats were very similar in 2020. So the philosophy is locked in. It's pass first and pass often. And the targets were pretty consistent over the last two seasons. 166 targets, 164 targets. I did mention that he was number one in end zone targets last year. So those touchdowns actually do have a chance of coming up this year. So I do think that Diggs is a great pick at the 1-2 turn this year. Number five, Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams would have been my number one wide receiver off the board if he decided to stay in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, but he wanted to play with his boy Derek Carr in Vegas, and he's also showing some signs of going crazy because he did say that between the two guys, the talent level is very similar. Okay, let's calm down. Stay off the damn weed! Now here's the thing about Derek Carr. Is there much evidence that he's able to just hyper-target an alpha wide receiver? I'm not sure. Do alphas eat first? Do I believe in that? Yes. And I do expect Devontae to get the lion's share of targets, which is why I still have him at number five despite being with an average quarterback and that's being nice. Took it too far this time! Fuck I and I'm sorry, Raiders fans. I know you're going to come out and get me. I understand. I just don't think that Devonta Adams is going to be that insane target funnel that he was with Aaron Rodgers. 31% target share last year, 30% target share the year before. I don't think that's going to happen in Vegas. I think it's going to be around 26 to 27% because of the fact that he is an elite wide receiver. But I do think that Derek Carr is going to spread it out just a little bit more to guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. And doesn't Derek Carr just seem like too nice? No, they're ignorant. That's ignorant. Like, he's the type of guy that says, like, you know what? I really want to spread the ball out because I want to make my guys happy. I just want to make my guy Darren and my guy Hunter. And of course, I got to make my guy Devontae happy. Let's make all of them happy. 
This guy's way too nice, and I don't like it. But all jokes aside, I think this offense is going to be good, and I think they're going to be pass-heavy. Their new head coach, Josh McDaniels, has been a pretty pass-heavy guy when he was in New England. And in his 16 seasons of either being a head coach or an OC, there were only four seasons where he didn't finish in the top 12 in pass attempts. And obviously a lot of that had to do with the fact that he had Tom Brady as his quarterback. That pace of play, that pass-first mentality, that has maintained throughout Tom Brady's career. That remained a constant even when he went to Tampa. So we'll see if he wants to do something like that with Derek Carr. But the fact that they're loading up on pass catchers and they're paying them, it seems to me like that's the direction that they're leaning towards right now. So Devontae is really being ranked here because of his position as probably the best wide receiver in the league still as it stands right now. Number six, Debo Samuel. Debo was back at OTA, so that's a great sign for him and his availability this season. You obviously want him to stay with Kyle Shanahan and his scheme in San Francisco. Now, there will likely be a quarterback change from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance, and that can affect things. And, you know, maybe it's an upgrade, maybe it's not, but target share can shift. It's very possible. Debo is that dude, no doubt, but I don't really consider him like an alpha wide receiver on the perimeter who's going to just separate like crazy and get it done that way. I do think that he's an extremely elite talent with the ball in his hands, and Kyle Shanahan does the best job of anyone to make sure that that happens. He was the wide receiver three this past season, one of three wide receivers to hit 20 PPR fantasy points per game, but I do expect a regression. For example, is he really going to get eight rushing touchdowns again? He had six receiving touchdowns, so he had more rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns, so I expect that to go down. Is he going to get 15 red zone rushing attempts, which actually led to six of those rushing touchdowns? I doubt it. Trey Lance is there. He's going to steal a lot of that work. And they also drafted a big running back, Tyrion Davis-Price, on day two. So I can see a lot of that shifting over to these other guys. Now, all in all, he averaged about 7.6 targets per game, which isn't great. Now, early on in the year, while Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse before he started really being used as a running back, he was averaging about 10 targets per game, which is great. So is that going to be the case, or is it going to be somewhere in the middle? And by the way, there is a good chance that Brandon Ayuk takes a step forward this year. He was in the doghouse early on last year, but he was a really good wide receiver his rookie year, and I have a feeling that he's going to show out in year three. And by the way, the word on the street is that him and Trey Lance have a pretty good rapport in OTAs. Debo's a great player. He's going to do big things on this offense, but I just don't expect the type of upside that we saw from him last year. Number seven, C.D. Lamb. Now, I have a feeling that I'm ranking him too low. Maybe I should be ranking him above Debo. I might do that. Maybe I should be ranking him above Devonte Adams. Maybe. Oh, oh, you crazy. Listen. I love Devonte Adams, but, but situation-wise, CeeDee Lamb is in a pretty good situation right now. He really has a shot to go absolutely nuclear in the Cowboys offense as the clear number one wide receiver with Amari Cooper gone, with Michael Gallup coming off that ACL injury. He just had surgery mid-February. He might miss a few games early on in the season, and apparently he might not be himself until the middle of the year, if that. And to me, all this means is that he's going to be an every down player. He's going to be used down the field a lot more often. His eight dots going to increase. He's going to be making bigger plays. And I have no qualms about him being able to separate on the outside. And he's probably going to play a ton out of the slot as well. Um, the only difference between this upcoming year and the years before was that he's going to be an every down player. And then you consider this offense. This offense had the second highest pace of play last year. They were right behind the Bills in pass attempts per game, which was good for fifth in the NFL. 
CeeDee Lamb already had two top five finishes this past season, and I think that could end up being four, five, or maybe six next year, and I think that would be near the top of the league. And when you look for serious breakout years for a wide receiver one, CeeDee Lamb hits a lot of those metrics that you look for. He already had a wide receiver three season. He already had a wide receiver two season. He hit the yards per route run threshold that we need. And he's going into his third year. And that third year is when the most career wide receiver one breakouts have happened since 2011. He's going to go off this year. Number eight, Mike Evans. Now, I really like Mike Evans this year, and I don't think I've ever liked Mike Evans this much coming into any season. He's been in the league for a while, and he's been producing for a while. And no, it's not because he had 1,000 yards every single year for 23 years straight. No, it's because he's the clear wide receiver one for Tom Brady going into this season. No Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin coming off the ACL, most likely not going to be his 100% self. He might even miss a couple games early on in the year. And because of that, I do think the target share is going to lean Mike Evans' way more than we think because of the fact that Chris Godwin might not be himself. When Godwin was out late last year, Mike Evans went ham. 4 for 47 and a touchdown, 6 for 89 and two touchdowns, 9 for 117 and a touchdown, 8 for 119 and a touchdown. And the targets just kept going up. 7-7, 10-16. Even these low target games for guys like Mike Evans works out because he ends up catching like two touchdowns on six targets. And over the last two years with Tom Brady, 13 touchdowns, 14 touchdowns respectively. And then you consider the pass-happy offense. Most passing attempts per game last year, the highest passing rate among any team by far by like a considerable margin. They also ran their offense at the fastest rate last year. And that resulted in them averaging the most offensive snaps per game. Mike Evans is going into his age 29 season where, believe it or not, we've actually seen the highest percentage of wide receivers finishing in the top five, 29 years old. And that's a nod to my guy, Mike Taglier. Appreciate you, bro. But yeah, Mike Evans is in for a great season this year. And I will be surprised if he doesn't finish top 10 when it's all said and done this year. Number nine, Tyreek Hill. And this ranking, just like Devontae Adams, based on talent. You know that no matter where he's going to go, he's going to pop off at some point. And just like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill had that unique rapport with Patrick Mahomes. The upside can be replicated, but he's going to be doing his thing, just not at the level that we're used to seeing him do it at. But I do think that he's going to get pretty good usage in Miami. They brought him in. Mike McDaniel knows what he's doing. And I think if Tyreek Hill ends up getting a bunch of those targets near the line of scrimmage, in addition to those intermediate and, you know, relatively often deep bombs, he's going to amount to a pretty good fantasy asset for you, especially considering his playmaking ability once he gets the ball. Now, we have to keep in mind that Tua and Jalen Waddle also had a very good rapport last year, so I don't expect Tyreek Hill to command um, a much higher target share than Jalen Waddle. You never know. Jalen Waddle could have a higher target share than Tyreek Hill, I'm betting that Tyreek Hill would, but you never know. I do think it's going to be relatively close between these two guys, and I kind of consider it a 1A, 1B situation in terms of opportunity rather than a clear number one and a clear number two in terms of targets. All right, the last guy cracking the top 10, T. Higgins. Two Bengal wide receivers in the top 10? You crazy. Hurrah. <laughs> two Bengals in the top 10? You crazy. It's like midnight right now. So, you know. It is what it is. Going a little crazy. It's fine. I'm good. So believe it or not, T. Higgins was actually a wide receiver one in PPR points per game last year. He was a wide receiver 12 in fantasy PPR points per game. 
And again, in an offense that was the fourth slowest in the league, and one that had an extremely low situation neutral passing rate. But like I mentioned before, we saw that gradually go up throughout the year, and then it went a little bonkers during the playoffs. Zach Taylor already showed his cards in his first two years with the Bengals being in the top 10 in pace of play, but he probably wanted to keep it cool with Joe Burrow the year after he tore his ACL. Now this upcoming year, I'm expecting balls to the walls. What? They're taking the training wheels off. They're going to go from the fourth slowest team in the league to, I'm expecting, top 10 at least. And then in terms of neutral passing situations, I think they're going to go up as well. So I'm talking about a, an explosive passing offense. So with all that being said, you know, with T. Higgins being one of the best number two wide receivers in the league, could be a number one wide receiver on a lot of teams, I think both these guys can finish as top 10 wide receivers. Last year, T. Higgins was top 10 in end zone targets. Imagine what he could do this upcoming year. And he also has a couple factors that plays into his favor in terms of him having his breakout wide receiver one season this upcoming year. He already has a wide receiver three finish under his belt. He has a wide receiver two finish under his belt. We're talking cumulative points here. Among all 37 wide receivers with at least 100 targets last year, he was eighth in yards per route run. And then he's going into that famous year three. And in terms of talent level, I think he can make that big leap in year three like we've seen before with a lot of other wide receivers, just like C.D. Lamb. If you miss out on Jamar Chase in your drafts, I would not mind T. Higgins as my consolation prize. All right, guys, those are my top 10 wide receivers for fantasy this year. If you want to see my full rankings, go over to my Instagram page. The link is down here in the description. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate you guys. If you enjoyed the video, please like it. If you can subscribe to the channel, even better. Thank you, guys. I'll see you later.